0: spooky friends and welcome back to that spooky life i am your host miranda and i'm glad that you're here with me today i have a lot to talk about today i'm excited i have a personal story and a listener story and some tips for surviving the remainder of mercury retrograde i hope it hasn't been too terrible for the rest of you guys i've been doing okay with it myself this time forewarned is forearmed i have been prepared And uh, I think we're just going to jump right into it today and cover as much as possible. So the story that I'm sharing today, I know I've gone over recently quite a few childhood stories and I'd like to talk about something a little bit later. I was still living at home and was a young adult of about 17. And while I now consider that to be a child at the time, I considered myself very grown up. Obviously, most of us do. We moved out of my childhood home when my parents got a divorce into the first house we could afford in Rome, Georgia, which is where I spent quite a few of my formative years. Uh, It was a rental house that was built in the 70s, and I don't remember any details about the landlord or if it was a company or what, but I know that they had, it had been renovated to have a large living area, almost the size of the rest of the house, added onto the back, probably had gotten rid of a porch or something like that to enclose a space that was very much a second den sort of shared space uh the old living room in this house then became an extra room because we didn't have enough for the siblings so one of my brothers took over the living room as his bedroom uh mom's room was in the back and there were two bathrooms one of which was attached to her bedroom it was like this tiny little water closet basically and i think it had a tiny stand-up shower But it basically was just a toilet and a mirror and a window. Uh, The main bathroom had my first experience with a sliding glass door for a tub rather than a curtain. I'd never seen that before. We'd always had curtains growing up. And it was frosted, as was the small window that looked out into the backyard. Well, obviously, moving from my childhood home was a, a stressful experience. And under the circumstances, you know, anybody would be upset, disquiet, grumpy, angry, also being a teenager let's be real it wasn't a great mental space but a lot of things in the house did not help Uh, the first thing that i noticed shortly after being in the house was that it was always cold which you know it's great in the summer and the add-on room was absolutely attached to the outside of the house so there was actually bare brick wall and it kept it cold well not cold but it definitely kept it cool in the summertime It was not great in the winter, I'll tell you that, though. The second thing that was readily apparent to most people who came there was this constant feeling of unease. I can't tell you how many times friends would come over and be like, what happened here? And none of us knew. I didn't think about it at first. I, you know, I'd just been forced out of my childhood home. I didn't want to be there. I honestly thought that unease was just me. And I also had nightmares every night. Again thought it was stress. I was prone to nightmares anyway and with my world flipped on its ear and upside down it was not surprising that I was having nightmares. I figured it was just you know that level of stress or depression or something going on. Um, But there's also a feeling of always being watched especially in the main bathroom. Again thought it was just me. Uh, So one day and I don't remember how long we'd been there at the time. It hadn't been terribly long, but it also wasn't like two weeks in or anything like that. It was a perfect storm. It was cold. The unease was getting to me. I'd not slept well due to the nightmares, and it was just a bad day. Also, I have a skin disorder uh, called eczema. It's an autoimmune disorder that causes all kinds of problems with your epidermis. In the transition to Rome City Water on my sensitive skin... And stress, which stress has an effect on it, after a lifetime of being on a well, like we had well water on a mountain, it was a bad time. I had no widgets, high stress with everything, the idea of showering and the watch feeling and the pain, all of it, it just, it broke me that day. I broke down and asked my now husband, boyfriend at the time, to come talk to me while I showered. Understandably, uh, he was a little confused. But despite his confusion he could see how upset I was like and nothing had happened I was just terrified of going to take a shower at this point Um, he agreed and at first it was awkward because he didn't understand why he was there but when he saw the effect the water had actively on my skin it got a lot less awkward because I was visibly suffering Um, I explained what was going on and going through my head and was just like please talk to me please distract me and that gave us a few minutes of, of chatting, um, but the, the shower was obviously longer than that. I tried to make it as quick as possible. I, I usually did, and it was just basically rub soap through my hair, dump some conditioner in it, wash gingerly, and then, you know, dart as fast as I could. But I was still miserable and needed a distraction, so I yeet, cautioned to the wind, and admitted... Out loud for the first time that I was made super uncomfortable by that bathroom and why. once I explained it, I immediately started to sort of rationalize to him like the frosted window and the sliding door to the shower. Um, it was unlike anything I'd ever had, and maybe that was all it was, and I was just you know seventeen years old, going a mile a minute talking to my first boyfriend, trying to keep myself distracted while also not appearing to be crazy. but to my shock, he actually agreed. Uh, He was basically living with us at the time and showered there regularly and agreed that he'd actually felt like he'd actually had felt the same way in a manner that led me to believe he thought he was the only one too. So we were talking about this and he was like, no, it seriously feels like, you know, you turn and you glance a face over your shoulder or something like that. Like, he's like, I hate this bathroom. Uh, This actually began to grow my confidence in talking to people about it we talked to friends about it who frequented and it seemed that literally everyone felt the same way about that room um and while my mom's tiny bathroom was basically a closet with a window and it had the same kind of frosted window it didn't feel that way in there in fact much like me most people felt like there was a face in that window so there was a party uh mom let us have all the parties at her house she didn't interfere she just went to like read in her room come check on us and stuff but she knew where we were she knew who we were with and that way she could you know not have to worry about us basically and the bathroom the subject of the bathroom and the creepy feeling and being watched gets brought up at the party literally everyone there agreed there were probably eight to twelve people there and we all agreed so we decided to do a little bit of an investigation um a few of us go stand in the bathroom while everyone else goes outside And we discovered, because nobody had bothered to go around to that side, it basically, that was the far side of the house. Uh, We discovered that the window to that bathroom is so high up, the tallest of us was about 6'4 at the time. It was my brother's best friend. And he wasn't tall enough to see into the window. Like the brick ledge at the bottom only came to like his forehead. So he had to basically do like a pull up to even see into what would be see into the bathroom, despite it being frosted. You couldn't actually see in. In other words, to have a face in the window, the person would have to be between seven or eight feet tall. There was, however, a bush, so we were like, okay, well, maybe the bush leaves are making, like, shapes in the windows and stuff like that. So they they trimmed all the branches and moved it, and inside, we're sitting here watching this, and it made literally no difference. Um, It still looked like there was a face in the window. So naturally, we all chalked it up to just a minor pattern in the frosting of the window and tried to move on with our lives that same night a few more people got to the party who would not been a part of this investigation they got off work later and we'd already come back inside and we were having pizza and playing video games uh at which point one of the newcomers uh, comes running out of the bathroom white as a sheet and still like like he didn't even b- buckle his pants back the whole way because he just like darted it out of the bathroom he didn't have any idea that we'd been investigating earlier Uh, And he starts rambling off rapidly that he'd always felt the bathroom was creepy, like somebody that was watching him pee. And he went in there just now and started to do his business and heard like a deep man's voice say, hey, he turned to see who had opened the door to mess with him. But the door was closed. Nobody was there. And when he turned back, he caught movement. Like he saw movement happen in the mirror and just straight bolted out of the bathroom. He begged me to ask my mom to let him use her bathroom instead everyone at the party was in the other room at the time nobody had been messing with him and we could not figure out what happened but we decided that day that well i guess the bathroom's just haunted cool he never used that bathroom again and he was there multiple times visiting regularly and every time he would very politely ask me or my mom if he could use my mom's bathroom he never went in that room again it was kind of nice though Uh, With this validation, I actually lost a lot of stress over the house. I didn't like being surprised. And when standing in that bathroom, like looking in the mirror, doing your hair, doing your makeup, whatever, you could see like back into the hallway if the door was open. And more than once, I would see someone watching me. And that was never fun. Uh, There were always noises in the house that couldn't be explained. Footsteps down the hallway when everybody was in bed. And, uh, that one friend was not the only person who ever heard the, hey, and it didn't seem to discriminate on gender. Like it wasn't just, oh, only guys heard it or only girls heard it. Like everybody, everybody could feel it. Everybody felt like they were being watched. Equal opportunity voyeurism. Uh, I know that one, one guy heard the hey and one girl heard the hey for sure. I don't know if anybody else ever did. That front living room too, that was my brother's room. Uh, He usually kept locked. But that was fine because it was like one of the worst rooms in the house. And I have not been able to actually research that property yet. I tried to look up some stuff just in preparing for this episode, but I couldn't find anything easily. I will probably actually have to physically go to Rome and look at records. Um, but that front room we used to call the murder room because there was a giant stain on the floor that they hadn't been able to like sand down recover with the finish that they had done and we just said that um, it was it was the, the room who that whoever died in jokingly but like also at the same time you have to wonder I also have a vague memory that I don't know if it was a story or just like a strange dream or something but I have this vague memory of my brother when he was sleeping in that room Saying that he remembered waking up to an old man standing over him. But I couldn't remember enough or get in touch with him to ask. Um, our work schedules are completely different right now. But if I can get an update on that, I will let you guys know. But I have this vague memory of him talking about how he woke up one night and there was an old man standing over him that was gone when he turned the light on. So, cool. It was all a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But there's a certain level of it that after a while you just get used to. And it honestly inspired me to look more into sort of the witchy leanings that I already had. Many times one of my best friends and I would be, you know, reading books and trying to do things to protect my room or my mom or the house or my brothers. And really it honestly started our path as baby witches. We'd, we'd started a little before then, like reading and talking about stuff. But for me, at least, I would say that house was really when the first steps occurred on my path for me because that house was not playing around. But all of that sort of faded into the background and people would just startle, look, nervously laugh, and move on with what they were doing. The scariest thing that really ever happened to me in that house, however, happened uh, Christmas of, I think, the second year we were there. Um, That year on Halloween was the year that The Ring came out. I want to say it was like 2001 or 2002. And that movie fucked with me. The girl in the closet startled me at the beginning. And from then on out, my anxiety was triggered. And honestly, that movie is more about suspense than it is like a lot of crazy visuals. Like the video is not scary. It's a Nine Inch Nails music video. But like that movie builds suspense really well. Well, unfortunately, suspense triggers my anxiety. So that movie messed me up for a couple of weeks. Like two or three weeks I had trouble sleeping because of that movie. Come Christmas, I had double walking pneumonia, and I was laid out of work for four weeks. It was the last two weeks of December and the first two weeks of January. I could not sit up without being out of breath. I needed help standing. I needed help to the bathroom. I slept in the living room so that people could check on me and I was not going anywhere without people, people's aid basically. Now sleeping in that room was better because it didn't tend to have as much of the weird haunted activity which was good considering everybody still had school and work and stuff so me being laid out of work meant that I was basically home alone the whole time. Well not the whole time obviously but during the day. Uh, I had been sick for maybe four days at the point that this all happened. So I was still really bad. Uh, I was alone in the house. Everyone was at school or work and I was on the couch and we were still full into the could not sit up without being out of breath, had to either take a lot of time to get to the bathroom or needed help and there was nobody there. So I had gone to the bathroom very slowly, very carefully. I'd taken my medicine, I'd had something to eat and I was turning off the TV to take a nap. Um, I should pause here to point out that we had a cable box and an old CRT TV, and when the TV was turned on, it would come on to like a blue screen of no signal, or if you turned on the cable box first, it would come on to like a cable channel. This is important. Keep that in mind. So I close my eyes and start to get that like heavy relaxation into medicated sleep, and it was just that like sweet point of I have stopped coughing. I will be able to sleep and when I wake up, someone will be back. Either the boyfriend will be off work, best friend will be out of school, the mother will be home, something. And then I hear this ungodly noise, like so loud, full volume, loud as hell, TV static white noise. For those who have seen The Ring, you know exactly that is how the video starts and what happens before Samara crawls out of the TV. Reminder. I'd only been sleeping well after my bout with that movie for just over a month. So my eyes snap open, and lo and behold, the television is on to white TV snow static, which I had never, in more than the year that we'd been living there, seen happen on that TV. I pause. I, it was one of the first times I remember actively being frozen in terror. Like, I was legitimately frozen, could not make myself move. And so my brain started running through like every possibility. Am I actually asleep? No. My heart is racing and despite feeling like shit, everything is crystal clear. Uh, Am I hallucinating? No. The codeine was keeping me from coughing, but I was very, very alert and I could feel all of my extremities. I was not having like weird trails after lights or anything like that. I was like, okay, maybe it's a garage door opener or somebody else's remote across the street or whatever. Let's turn the TV off, pick up the remote, go back to sleep, whatever. So I pick up the remote. The TV will not turn off. I took out the batteries. I switched them around. I rolled the batteries. This is all lying on my side because I can't really get up. Everything was within arm's reach sort of thing. And the TV remote is lighting up. It is on the TV selection. It was not on like any other VCR selection, anything like that. TV will not turn off. So... When that happened, I felt a surge of true panic. It took maybe two full heartbeats. I had the presence of mind to to grab our cordless phone that my mom had left for me, the afghan that I was under, and I one hand leapt up and vaulted over the back of the couch. And we had a game uh, game shelf that held all the board games and card games and stuff. That was the exact same height as the couch, tucked up behind the couch. And I vaulted, vaulted, like I one arm vaulted over the whole thing. I don't think I landed until 25 feet later in the kitchen, and maybe took three grand jeté strides to the door and was out into the driveway and as close to the end of the driveway as I could before I collapsed. Basically, um, I didn't actually pass out, but I was exhausted. This was still in the bad of the pneumonia and I needed help to stand, but adrenaline is a hell of a drug. So it was December and like 34 degrees and I'm now in the driveway with an afghan in my pajamas and with shaking hands, I dialed my mom and when she answered, I burst into tears. Uh, She couldn't understand anything I was saying, just that I was scared, something about the house and I was outside and not going back in. Uh, My mother then proceeded to make a 15 minute drive in seven minutes, blowing through three red lights and God knows how many stop signs I found out later. So uh, when she arrived, she draws her pistol because she was a licensed handgun carrier and does a sweep and clear of the carport and laundry room that was actually out in the carport. Uh, Then she turned on the dryer, stands me next to the dryer and tells me to wait. So standing in the carport, I can hear that the TV is still on, full volume, full white snow static, and through the open kitchen door, I proceed to watch mom do a sweep and clear of the entire house, like I'm watching a cop drama on TV or something. She was on top of that shit. Then she gets to the door of the extended living room, she comes around the corner, gun pointed, and I watch her stop, blink, and then I hear the static stop. Uh, Once she was confident that there was nobody in the house, she gets me inside and warm with some hot chocolate and blankets, scolding me, but shockingly gentle for my mom, especially with the fact that I was standing outside barefoot in 34 degree weather on concrete. Yeah, it was, I was kind of surprised at how gentle she was with her scolding. Basically, I finally like catch my breath and get enough of my voice back to look at her and I'm like, you saw it, didn't you? You saw the static and watched it turn off. And she paused and I watched as she contemplated telling me a fibrication, like when I was a kid and be like, no, you were dreaming, blah, 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 to try and make me feel better because she saw how much it upset me. But she didn't. She sighed and she said yes, that she had affirmed that I was not hallucinating or crazy and that we would figure it out later. Uh, She stayed with me for like 45 minutes or an hour until my best friend got out of school and came to sit with me at which time I was exhausted and passed the hell out. Random side note, unrelated, that was the time where me and my best friend played like three characters from level zero to level 99 in Gauntlet Dark Legends or Dark Legacy. That was all we did. <laughs> I woke up to my bestie, my boyfriend, my brothers, and a few of their friends trying to bounce the remote signal off of windows, pictures, walls, from from outside, through the window, And apparently, mom had told them what had happened while I was sleeping, and they were trying to figure out how it had happened. They used garage door openers. My brother's best friend brought over like three different TV remotes from his house. They used everything that they could to try and figure it out. And when I say that they did this damn near all night, they at least were still doing it when I went to bed a couple of hours later. Not once did the TV ever come on to snow. They went to the neighbor's house to borrow remotes. There was another guy who lived in the neighborhood that we knew. They went all the way over to his house and tried to get, you know, and they got him to come over with his garage door opener. Like, they did it for a long time. Not once did the TV ever come back onto snow. They got it to come on a couple of times. And, like, bouncing it off. I think somebody got it from outside. Somebody got it from bouncing it off one of the framed pictures my mom had. But it never came on to snow it either came on to the blue or the cable channel never again did that television act the way it did while I was the only one there um we honestly didn't stay in that house much longer either and I was not sad like there's been a couple of places that I've lived since my childhood home that I was oh I'm kind of sad to see it go you know it's it's not really home home but you know I'm sad to see it go that was not one of them I have driven by it to show another friend where I lived at one point with my best friend from that house, and we paused in front of the driveway, and then we're like, you know what? Nope. Keep, keep going. They've redone the porch since then, though, which was kind of cool, but yeah, we did not stop. So that is my story for the week, and the story of the haunted bathroom, voyeur ghost, frosted window, and haunted TV. Our listener submitted stories of a, a different variety, both from mine and in general this week. Uh, thanks to everybody who submitted stories so far. I'm looking forward to getting to them. We always need more. If you have a spooky story you would like to submit, please feel free to do so to that spooky life podcast at gmail.com. I always need them. I always love reading them. Basically, right now, you're pretty much guaranteed that if you submit one within the next few episodes, you will hear it. I'm, I'm getting enough to have them, which is great, and I love you guys for it, but there is no such thing as too many right now. So please feel free to send me stuff. I would love to read it on the, the podcast and share y'all's stories with the listeners and the world. A story titled Something in the Grass comes from Scott. And it is about he and his nephew in an interesting encounter near uh, a family home. Scott writes, In the South, we're often warned about what might be waiting in the tall grass. It's the place where biting insects hide. Mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, chiggers. Some of these can carry disease, so there's some danger other than a lingering itch. Maybe the worst thing to find is a snake. Poisonous or not, that's always a scare. So tiny creatures and tinier creatures are the worry. But if my experience is any indication, other things may lurk there too. First of all, I am not going to make Pokemon jokes about the tall grass. I refuse, but I kind of want to. Um, And all of this is true. If you're listening outside of the South, think about it not unlike America's Australia. Uh, Most things are poisonous and at best you'll get sick, at worst it will kill you. Uh, We don't have crocodiles, though. We do have alligators. And alligators also lurk at the edge of water in the tall grass. So fun times. And so everything that he's saying, absolutely true. If you're not familiar with it, just roll with it, because that is how all of us are raised. This took place in 2009 or 2010, give or take. My memory is even hazier on the time of year. It wasn't cold and the grass was green, but that doesn't narrow it down much around here. I was in my aunt's front yard. At the time, she lived in a small rural house with big plots of land separating neighbors. One evening, she and my mom and I were watching my four-year-old nephew run around the front yard. Her house was pretty close to the two-lane road that cut away from Highway 411 into trees, fields, and pastures, so we had to keep a close eye on him. He's toddling around the yard near us, inspecting things as small children do, when he suddenly stops. He's near the edge of the lawnmower's last rounds over the yard, and the boundary marked by the, you guessed it, tall grass, rising from the perspective of a four year old into a thick green cliff. Besides its newfound height, however, it's very ordinary grass no flowers, no buzzing insects, no toad croaks or cricket chirps, just grass. Nevertheless, he stops and he stares into it for a long moment. I amble over following his eyes to try and find what had ensnared him. I squatted near him and asked quietly, What do you see? No reply. He just keeps staring. But by and by, I could feel something looking back from between the blades. Something small and curious, looking at my nephew as much as he was looking at it. It was in the grass, part of it, and invisible to me. But he saw it, and at him. They looked at each other for a while, trying to figure each other out, I think. Then, whoever it was in the grass must have had enough and moved on, as the feeling of being watched was gone. I don't know if its curiosity had been satisfied, if it had grown bored, or if it became uncomfortable when it realized that I sensed it too. The experience didn't seem malevolent or frightening, at least to me. I never talked to my nephew about it. I'm not sure he'd remember now that something green and wild and curious had stared out at him from the tall grass, or that he, somehow, had stared back, quiet and fearless as the sun sank behind the trees on a warm, sunny evening. Wow, that's cool. A lot of these that I've read have been scary and off the wall, and while I wouldn't say that seeing something like that in the grass didn't necessarily merit caution, I will say, that's really neat. Be it some sort of nature spirit or a fae of some kind, as I am prone to just assume that it is, believe me. Especially living in and around this area, if it's not some sort of, like, ghost of the Civil War, it's probably some sort of fae. And, you know, there's a lot of debate as to whether or not a nature spirit and what people classically think of as the fae are actually any different. Some people say they are. Some people insist that they're not. I'm sure the answer is actually somewhere in between. Whether it be a thing born of dreams or a thing born of the land specifically. There's probably not terribly much difference, especially depending upon what you're dealing with. The only sort of scary part I would see in that would be, if it is Fae and Fae liking to, to grab kids and all of those o- old tales, I have way too much German in my ancestry, by the way, to not mention that, because when you are raised in a family that has as much German and Tennessee folk as I have, you hear the stories, you don't follow the Fae. I've had that come in handy numerous times. While I have a different relationship with the Fae now, I am also no longer a child. I'm not going to go wandering into the woods without a guide, but it doesn't really surprise me that the four-year-old saw it and the adult didn't. That also lends me to believe that it was probably more fae-like in nature. So thank you for your story, Scott. That is super cool. And I hope that if you have other stories in the future that you will send them on. I appreciate you listening and uh, I appreciate you sharing that experience with us. And uh, who knows, maybe one day your nephew will hear this podcast and go, No, I totally do remember that! Here's what it looked like! Because I am personally crazy curious to know what it looked like. So, finally today I would like to talk about something that we are currently in the midst of, called Mercury Retrograde. So I was actually only recently introduced to this concept. uh, This occurrence in the celestial movements, as it were. and there's a bit of debate as to whether or not mercury retrograde is necessarily as bad as the internet will make it sound if you're here for the paranormal spooky fun times feel free to go ahead and just skip to the end this is more of the witchy bits about it and i'm not gonna lie you don't necessarily have to believe in astrology to follow along with this next bit and i would love for you to stay But I also understand if some of you are done. And if that's the case, then I will see you next week. And thank you very much for listening. But even amidst the people that I know who practice both old and follow the newer types of astrology, there seems to be a divide. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover the basics. What is Mercury retrograde? Well, I'm glad you asked. Mercury retrograde is a phenomenon where because mercury is the closest planet to the sun and therefore has a shorter orbit than ours about three or four times a year it appears that mercury is moving backwards in the sky so yay science just quoting a website from astrologyzone.com mercury doesn't actually move backwards obviously if you do a bit of stargazing, you will see that Mercury appears to move backwards just as the ancient astrologers perceived thousands of years ago. After a while, in Mercury's case, three and a half week period, the planet will reverse itself and move, quote, forward again. So, as you can see, this is an actual physical, explainable phenomenon that occurs. And people who believe in astrology believe that this actual celestial occurrence has an impact on our day-to-day lives. Okay, we are going to run with that for right now. I'm still learning and I don't tend to believe in things that I have not fully learned. So, this is part of my learning process. I dedicate knowledge to memory better when I share it with others and process externally. So, this is part of the learning process. And as I always say, I may come back later and correct some of this information. So, bear with me. What does Mercury retrograde mean in terms of astrology? Well, Mercury is the planet that rules communication, travel, and exchange. Uh, You have no doubt heard someone say, Oh crap, I have all these meetings this week and Mercury is in retrograde. It's not going to go well. Well, that's because Mercury is the planet of communication. I've heard people blame baggage being lost at the airport on Mercury retrograde, uh, deals not going correctly or well, or not getting that job because of Mercury retrograde, etc. Most associate these times where communication issues occur. From problems with digital messengers and autocorrect to interpersonal, in person misunderstandings, it's usually advised to watch your spending, make sure that your travel plans are on lockdown. Bad things can occur if you're traveling, and sort of the as above, so below ruling energies of these things are going in reverse. It causes issues. I've also seen it advised to avoid making big decisions, signing contracts or uh, launching major projects during this time as the details will be fluid and hard to pin down and others may misunderstand your intention or your clearly spoken words. I've also seen that there can be positive things to Mercury in retrograde as well. Uh, issues that arise during retrograde can show can show you problem areas in your life from personal habits and behaviors to Problematic relationships or poor business practices. Uh, If it comes up as a pain point during retrograde, there's probably something that you can refine, fix, or need to cut from your life in some way. So says some of my research. Because the details are fuzzy, it's not a bad time to try and think outside of the box. Planning a rock solid idea, not likely to be beneficial, but if there's something that you're doing that requires a solution you've yet to discover, this period of time can provide the Wibble wobble that might be necessary to have a new perspective or idea inspired. Uh, I did see an article I don't recall where that recommended anything you endeavor under retrograde starting with re is a better plan. Like review contracts, reconnect with old friends, prepare to repeat yourself a lot, redecorate a room. That's what I did in this cycle. I redecorated one of the rooms in my house. At the end of the day, whether you believe in astrology or not, other people around you do. I have discovered that the power of belief can be more powerful than anything really in the verse. If you believe that you're going to have a bad time during Mercury retrograde, you're probably going to have a bad time during Mercury retrograde, whether that was predestined or not. And you know, maybe it's not all mind over matter, but maybe mind over matter can have a positive impact. I know plenty of folks who use old, old, old astrology in their spell work and their daily lives that roll their eyes at the panic and fear of Mercury retrograde. And I know plenty of other people that legitimately prepare as if it's going to be a temporary end of the world. So you have to find what is your truth in your life. But what I've gathered is it's more that how one prepares for and utilizes the celestial energetic influences on your daily life so we are currently in one it's the last one of 2019 and i am going to give some unsolicited advice that that i would be interested to know if you guys follow or not you know feel free to also be like no we're done with you whatever cool be alert and clear and concise with your communications and verify verbally or in text everything, just to be sure. You may not be having a bad time of it. It may not be something that's affecting your life, and you're just having a great old Tuesday. But somebody else might be affected by it, and your clarifications will prevent that bad day for you in the future. The more that you have your life, your personal energy, and practices on the right path, cleared, centered, and aligned, and on lockdown, the less it's going to mess with you. Because you are in control of your life and your power and your personal goals, destiny, energy. So you are a stone in the current of a river rather than being the pebble that is swept along with the current. If things do come up, analyze that shit. Why is this a problem? How did this come up? Is it a one-time oops? Something I can fix or something I don't need? You know, is this on me? Is this external to me? Be honest about those things. Look at your shadow. Be like, hey, did we do this? Do I need to change this? Or don't self-blame for things that aren't your fault. Make changes. Figure out what the root of the problem is so that you can prevent the problem from occurring again. Double check the details. Be vigilant, clear, and patient. Remember that there are billions of other people on this planet all in different stages of their lives, and the only behavior that you can control is your own. Be the bigger, more patient person if you can. If you gotta yell at somebody, make sure to yell at the right person. And always try and act with compassion during Mercury retrograde and honestly during any part of your life. It'll be over the 20th, guys. We're almost there, I promise. And it is November 15th. We have five days left. I've pulled a tarot card to share with you guys and it actually is inspiring and I hope that you guys will take this to heart for today and sort of an overview for the weekend. We have pulled the Ten of Cups. The Ten of Cups is lasting happiness, honor, consideration, virtue, and I think that is the vibes that we should all take into this weekend and these last few days of Mercury Retrograde and even into the holiday season. Maybe you have worked through some stuff recently that you can now find that well of consideration and compassion, and Mercury Retrograde brought it up or helped you work through it, and it wasn't necessarily comfortable, but here we are, and we are headed into what a lot of people consider to be one of the rougher times of year. Today, I hope that you have found consideration, compassion, and some lasting happiness, and that we go forward with honor and virtue. And I thank you very much for joining me on this special fifth episode of That Spooky Life. Obviously, it's not special, any more special than the other ones. I just wanted to call it that because I'm excited we have five episodes in. Uh, Thank you to Scott for your wonderful tall grass story today. And thank you to everybody who continues to submit your stories. So if you do have a story, I know I said it earlier, but please send it to thatspookylifepodcast at gmail.com. There's currently no such thing as too many. I would be happy to share anything that you would like me to share. Also, if there is a subject that you would like me to talk on in the future, please hit me up on social media, at thatspookylifepodcast on Instagram. I also have at thatspookylife on Twitter, though I don't check it as much, I admit. I am on Instagram quite frequently and I look forward to seeing what you guys want to hear about. I very much enjoy having listener-driven content. I prefer to talk about what you guys want to hear about. So, my personal experience is cool, your personal experience is always better, and if there's something more witchy or, you know, paranormal that you would like me to talk on in the future, just let me know, and I'll do my research, and I will happily share that with you guys going forward. So, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and by the next time that we are talking, Retrograde will be over. It will be awesome. It is still awesome, and I hope that you guys have a wonderful weekend, and don't forget to stay spooky, guys. Bye!